Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. And if you've been listening to the last few podcasts and you find yourself here again today, I hope you notice something different right off the bat. Upgraded sound quality. That's right. My new microphone has arrived or a new version of my old microphone has arrived, the one that I previously broke. So I am no longer talking into my AirPods. I am no longer just screaming at my MacBook screen. I am actually bringing my audio quality to the level of my basketball content. Generally good and sound. So that'll be a nice little boost for today's pod. Thank you for sticking with me through some crappy sound quality and listening to the show despite that. On today's episode, I'm talking Heat versus Celtics Game 6. It is 3-2 Celtics. We are back in the bean town, my hometown of Boston. Celtics have a chance to close out in their home TD Garden. The spread is currently sitting at Celtics minus 8.5. The money line at minus 405. And the over-under bet down to 201. Crazy. Crazy low for a 2022 NBA game to have an over-under at 201. But I think I still lean towards the under. We'll talk about that soon. All right. Let's bring in Cooley, our props and DFS guy here on The Advantage. And let's talk about this game. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are now joined on the Zoom by my cousin Eric a.k.a. Cooley, here on our podcast family. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mike. You are a recent uh, COVID survivor, so you feeling all right? Yeah, battling, dude. Um, you are? I'm a, week in, I'm a week in, and I'm still here, so how about that? And you're still giving the people of the Advantage Pod the premium content, so we really, really do appreciate it. Uh, you look good. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You sound all right. So I don't know if you could taste any food. Maybe you've lost. Maybe you've lost a few pounds. That's why your chin looks nice and like Tom Brady esque. <laughs> um, no, I mean I didn't have the 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 smell or the the taste effect senses. I, I always had that, but it was really bad for like a week. So everybody who's listening, get vaccinated and avoid. Wise that. words. Wise words from Cooley. Maybe the wisest that he'll <laughs> give on the pod. Let's jump into the basketball stuff. Eric, you're down close to Miami. You live in Florida. I'm here in Boston. We're breaking down this this Heat Celtics series. I don't think you're a Heat fan, nor am I a Celtics fan. But so that's why we can come into this uh, objective, but still having a taste of the local beat and the local feel in those cities. Let me start off and ask you something. Sure. Are the Heat dead? Are they yeah. dead in the water down there, in Miami? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emphasis dead. Dead. Over. Done. Celtics clamped down, you know, winning in Miami, uh, I think solidified that. I think the Celtics aren't a team to just roll over on a good win and, and, and come out sluggish the next game. We've seen that. We saw what they did to the Bucks down 3-2 um, in a closeout game in Boston. That place does have an effect. Um, I, I think it's over. I think it could be double digits. I think the line is enormous. I think it's scary. I think it's possible, but they're dead. Done. The first thing that I noticed, and before we get into this actual capping of Game 6, is that yeah. Vegas agrees with you. They see Heat as dead in the water, um, no chance of coming back. 
they're putting the the odds at plus seven fifty for Heat to win the series, just to win two games. Uh, that would mm-hmm. mean stealing one in Boston, which they've already done. They won Game Three in Boston, the game where Jimmy Butler sat out the second half. Um, so they've done it with key injuries where they've won in Boston. And then that would mean going home for a game seven and winning at home where they've only lost one postseason game the whole playoffs. But still, Vegas is saying, nah, this team is dead in the water. If We'll give you amazingly juicy odds. We'll give you a plus 750 for this Miami Heat team, the number one seed, to win two games. We'll give you a plus 1100 on Jimmy Butler to win MVP odds. Um we don't see this happening. We're going to lay a minus eight and a half spread for game six. And then probably coming back. I mean, if, if we're looking at how game five went in Miami, the Celtics were a three and a half point favorite. So you got to think game seven, if it happens in Miami, the Celtics are going to be favored on the road. It's pretty crazy stuff. Um, well, go ahead. Just if I can interject, Mike, um, Vegas, uh, put a minus I, I believe it opened up at minus nine right it might have gone down a little yep, bit it did the public might just find that astronomical um but needless to say i wouldn't i wouldn't take that line i would probably buy it down a few points it's, it's a gigantic line it has to give you some indication that tyler hero is not going to play because vegas has the task of putting out the lines they're putting out a minus nine in a game six that's a three two series you have to imagine that questionable or not at this point, Tyler Hero, if he's good to go, he's not good to go. And if he's not playing, they've identified that. Um, I think they know more than we do in, in regard to that in terms of inside news. And I have to believe that he's not going to play and therefore making the line appropriate. The last two games without him, they lost by 20 and 13 convincingly. So, I mean, there has okay. to be something in there. I think that's a great place. I think that's a great place to start this conversation, Eric, because – the injuries have been what's defined this series, right? I mean, prior to game one, we had Marcus Smart and Al Horford, a late scratch. Uh, prior to game two, we had Rob Williams out. We had Kyle Lowry missing those games. Prior, during game three, we had Jimmy Butler leave the court. Uh, Marcus Smart was out for that one as well, I believe. And then game four, we had Hero out. We have Struess really banged up, holding his leg every chance he gets. We have Lowry, who clearly can't get any lift. Uh Rob Williams, who was benched in the not benched, but couldn't start the second half of of game five. So injuries have defined this series, Eric. So let's start right there. I completely agree with your point that the way that this line is priced has a strong indication that Tyler Hero is going to be out. When we heard about the hero injury, we were told that it was a if this was a regular season thing, Hero would be out for two or three weeks. Uh, he's been off of his, his groin or his leg, whatever's ailing him, for about four days now. And it'll be the, the sixth day of rest by the time uh, game six comes around back in Boston. Right. But that's, that's six days of rest, um, three flights. And, you know, flights make things swell up, especially your lower extremities. So ah. not, not good for the healing process in terms of having to fly back and forth. Uh, he has a questionable tag. People are saying that he's going to try and gut it out. I ultimately think he's ruled out. And I think another indication within the line that says that is this over-under being at 201. So before we discuss that, I just wanted to I want to talk a little bit about Tyler Hero, the player, Eric, because mm-hmm. I think this is what a lot of uh, other outlets are not talking about right now. Everyone's talking about the heat and they're, oh, Bam needs to step up. Lowry looks injured. 
Butler's been great all postseason. Can he handle all the load? Here's what my point is, Eric. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero is the engine of this offense, and the numbers prove it. If we go back to the regular season and we look at the per 36-minute averages, uh, like is if a player were to play 36 minutes in that game and if you have every single player playing 36, what are their averages, right? Because it's hard to look at averages when one player plays 38 minutes and another player plays 24. So right. what are their per 36, right? So we, if we look at the Heat's per 36, Tyler Hero is, dribbles the most on the team. He shoots the most on the team. He has the highest usage rate on the team. He scores the most on the team per 36. Literally every offensive metric shows that Tyler Hero is the engine of that offense. And I understand in the playoffs it's come out a little differently because Jimmy Butler is like this postseason menace. He takes on a new persona. He, he, you know, he becomes more alpha in the postseason. Well, um, defense comes but into it play still completely affects the whole lineup. Tell me, tell me how you're reading the, the Hero absence in any regard. Well, in regard to usage, I always thought that come postseason that Jimmy Butler would have the most usage. And I think the Heat take on a defensive persona in the postseason where in the regular season, you know, teams are more lax. They they rely on more just offensive stability. Teams aren't as clamped down. And I think Hero is a little limited defensively. But um, you're right. I mean, in terms of offensive efficiency, I know you're saying per 36 minutes. Um, and, and let's say that he plays... 30 minutes, let's say he plays 38 minutes, he's going to play within that range every game he's available. And he averaged 20 points, five rebounds, and four assists this year. Put away the rebounds for a second, but he averaged 20 points and four assists on 52 true percentage, true field goal percentage shooting, um, which is incredible. So he's providing you at least 28 to 30 points of offense every game. So if you're trying to replace that, and we talked about this earlier, Mike, with with guys like wing perimeter scorers like Duncan Robinson or, you know, Max Struess, they can replace one another in what they do. But you take out Tyler Hero and you're essentially replacing him with Duncan Robinson or Caleb Martin, which is not a fill-in in terms of scoring and, and production on offense. It's not that, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't it's, give you it's the create it's the element of creation is what you're really saying. You, you Tyler Hero is such a creator that you can't ask Duncan Robinson to create the same opportunities for even himself or the rest of the team or the way the whole it all operates on the floor. That's why I say Tyler Hero is kind of the engine of this offense when he's out. Place usage like he, let alone you know creating shots for other players. His his usage and his efficiency are high. Like you said, like. People people are, are, are like, they're misconstrued in that he comes off the bench, he's essentially the sixth best player or something. I know people don't truly believe that, but they don't magnify how important his role is to this team in that he's the third best player, and he's probably the number one offensive player. I guess you could say Jimmy, um, but, uh, you know, if Jimmy's not on... No, I'm with you. Yeah, you got... Tyler here is the most important offensive player on this team. Well, I, I still lean Jimmy, but... But you have to figure Jimmy is getting thrown Tatum or Brown or both and or Marcus Smart. He's seeing the best defensive scheme schematically every game, and that's what they're going to do, not unlike what they're trying to do to Tatum. But, you know, unlike Jimmy, Tatum has a plethora of wing scores and other scores capable. Um, the Heat really don't. The Heat rely on their ability to create steals and score in the fast break, which they're very strong at doing. However... They're now going up against a very slow-paced, methodical team that does not turn the ball over as much, especially when they have Marcus Smart back. 
And Derek White, you know, say what you want about his, you know, his limitations offensively. He does not turn the ball over much. It's a very, very team-oriented offense, unlike Philly, who really didn't scheme at all. This team's disciplined. They're not going to turn it over. They're going to limit the opportunities to get out on the run. And it's just... I, I think the Heat are going to have a tremendous time scoring effectively. I think you're going to see a lot of Oladipo, and I know me and you argued about this earlier, Mike, but Oladipo has been providing offense for this team. You know, he had one really bad game. Other than that, he scored 24 one game or, or 21, something of that nature. He had 17 another. He had 14 another. Without Hero on the court, you're going to see different creators. And, you know, I know we're getting all over the place, but in terms of, uh, of replacements, he's the guy. So if people are targeting prop value, if Hero is out, you know, the lines are not static. They, they they don't move. So if Oladipo's line is generated toward hero playing, I think people should be very, um, very aware of that. Yeah, we'll check out the props in a bit. Let's keep going through some of the injuries. Um, I think me and you both agree that if hero is out, that's a big boost towards two things in this game. It's a big boost towards taking Boston with the spread, and it's a big boost towards taking the under. So right now oh. we're seeing... We're seeing yeah. the under priced at 201, and we're seeing the spread priced at two and a half. Um, both of those, because of the steepness and the sharpness of both of those lines, mm-hmm. uh, we're both in agreement that it seems like this is priced as Tyler Hero being out. Let's go through some of the guys who are right. questionable, and let's talk about how you know whether or not they are ruled in or out last minute may affect this. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams will be the next person we talk about. Uh, he has been in and out of the lineup all throughout the playoffs because he's coming off of that meniscus surgery, and then he had a bone bruise in the same knee, so he's got some swelling on top of coming off of a recent surgery. And it's really been a pain tolerance thing. If you see what the Celtics are reporting, they're leaving the decision up to Rob uh, and how he feels. He's had a few moments where he said he felt great. He said he felt great after Game 5, so I think that's a huge important thing. But he didn't start the second half. He's randomly missed games after looking great. How do you think Robert Williams impacts this series, and how would it change your perspective on betting the series if Robert Williams was ruled out for Game 6? It's tremendous. I, I don't imagine he's ruled out. Um, I know the last game he didn't start the the second half with knee soreness. Um, you know, they, they let Grant Williams, who's also a very effective defender, not not obviously what Rob Williams can do, having three or two or three blocks every game. I think he's got like 10 to 12 on the series already um, in the limited games he's played and minutes he's played. Rob Williams is going to be out there as far as as long as he can go. Um, it's At this point, it's left knee soreness. However, you know, the Celtics... You know, a lot of people have the misunderstanding that this is game six for the Celtics. Celtics can afford to lose. They can't. You don't want to go Game 7 on the road. This is Game 7. The Celtics have shown in closeout games what they want to do, how they play. Um, I imagine Rob Williams, barring any other setbacks, sees 25 to 30 minutes. But should he not? I think Horford's a full go at this point. I don't think there's any limitations on Horford. His was a COVID thing, which he's tested negative, and he's been fine since. His wasn't an ailing injury. So I imagine Horford will have more... um, responsibility and he's a more than capable defender but you might just see them pick and plug with grant williams move horford to the five i i I think back to rob williams i think he plays i think whether he plays 23 or 30 minutes is to be determined if it's necessary um i I don't know i i think that he he does play at least 23 plus minutes because that's that's what he's played at minimum when he is played out there 
So I agree that uh, probably Rob Williams is going to play another one where this is him playing is clearly priced into the line. Um, Robert Williams is an under player. He's a Boston Celtics. He's a, he's a boost to the Boston Celtics with the spread, and he's a boost to the under. Let me quickly explain why. Uh, mm-hmm. Offensively, he's limited in his spacing. So when Robert Williams is on the floor, he's a great finisher. He's a good offensive rebounder. He is overall good for your team to have on the floor. But if we're talking about pace and playing Correct. totals, he leans towards the under. I'm not saying he's a minus offensively. I'm saying Robert Williams on the court creates a slower pace of play in general. So Absolutely. Uh, and it forces you to take tougher shots. Like, you have to factor that in. You're not right. so then, able to get points in the paint. And so the heat so is then defensively, he's such, right. he's such a good rim protector that he's also an under defensively. And also, so, so because of these things, Robert Williams is an under player. So the line being listed at 201 right now indicates hero out, Rob Williams in. So if we get, you know, late news before this game where hero's out, but Rob Williams is out too, you might want to look towards playing the over. If you were getting these things where the, the lines are breaking exactly how we're expecting and the injuries report are exactly how we're expecting, then we like playing the under in this scenario. We'll, we'll talk about it soon, but it really is totally dependent on the injuries. Let's move to the next guy that I think is going to be questionable is Kyle Lowry. I think really, what right before you go on to Lowry too, Mike, I think you have to remember Rob Williams' importance, specifically defensively that people are listening. Um, he not only is going to be able to contain Bam, but Jimmy Butler has been getting his most of his points. If you saw one game, he had 17 free throws. I believe Rob Williams didn't play that game. Maybe he did. But Jimmy Butler was getting very comfortable getting into the lane at ease. And with Rob Williams, when the double team comes off the first defender, off of a lengthy wing like Brown or Tatum, Jimmy's not getting those looks, hence the inefficiency. I mean, you could yep. say the injury, of course, that plays into it, but it just makes everything more difficult, and these players are going to have to hit open shots, which leaves guys like Duncan robinson Struess with a lot of potential, but they have to make the shots. If they don't, the under looks good. Um, so, agreed. Yeah. The, the one thing that I did notice that the Celtics did last game in regards to Rob Williams, Rob yeah. Williams didn't start the second half like we just mentioned. He came out of the locker room late, uh, and Grant Williams started the second half. And I think it was obviously because of health reasons, but it did have a huge impact on the Celtics making that huge third quarter run. And let me quickly explain. Sure. When, when Grant Williams comes off the bench, the Celtics bring in a small second unit. Because they right. have Horford and Rob Williams both starting, and they're not playing Tice in this series. So that they, they go to, maybe they keep one of Horford or Williams out there, or maybe they even have Grant Williams at the five and Tatum at the four, and they go really small. However, that boosts Miami because Miami really likes to play small, and Miami doesn't have big guys that can, that exactly. can hang in these series. I mean, Deadman and Yurtsev, Deadman's been getting crushed. Yurtsevin hasn't gotten a minute. So... They're very, very reliant on BAM. So what the Celtics did, not not intentionally, but it clearly happened, and we'll see if it happens again in game six, is by Grant Williams starting, the Celtics could stay big by bringing in Rob Williams with their second unit, and it forced the Heat to keep BAM on the court for the entire third quarter. BAM normally doesn't play the third quarter, like the entire thing, because they save some energy for the fourth. Yeah. He had to play the entire third quarter. He had to play with groups that he's not as familiar with. He was uh-huh. thrust into positions that he was unfamiliar with. 
And just in general, the Celtics took a huge third quarter lead because they had constantly new looks to throw at Bam that he wasn't expecting, and Bam couldn't get a rhythm going. And then, of course, you have Jimmy Hurt, Lowry Hurt, you know, Struess Hurt. They're playing, but they're clearly banged up. So they they realized, the Celtics realized that Bam might be the focal point of what has to beat us. Mm-hmm. And he's beaten them in the past. He's, Bam is historically a Celtic killer. And they, you know, whether whether it was intentional or a break from the injury, it broke really well for the Celtics. And it might be something that they've unlocked is to split the Horford and Rob Williams minutes because that forces Bam and forces Miami's depth to become a real problem. Correct. And outside, you know, one monster performance by Bam, his all of his usage throughout the first three series or two, three series um, has been down from the regular season. Yeah. I don't know schematically they're doing other things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, you know, Bam is a very unselfish player, but you have to imagine that, you know, confidence right now is at an all-time low for him. You know he had one monster game, and he's capable of doing that. But you haven't seen it. With or without Rob Williams on, with Rob Williams on the court, he's been he's, – he's, he's just been dominated essentially and that – his role and what he's usually capable of doing against stretch fives. There's not many like him. The Celtics have those kind of stretch four fives in Horford, Rob Williams, Grant Williams. All of them can play you out towards the top of the perimeter. Inside Do you see the paint. Horford? Horford was Jimmy Butler's main defender last game. Well, Horford, I mean, we could talk about that too, Mike, the importance of this guy and how he can eliminate your best player from wing score to Giannis. <laughs> I mean, obviously he didn't eliminate Giannis, but he made things very difficult. And if you looked at Giannis as efficient, let's take it back, Mike, because, you know, I believe the Bucs were going to win that series. Um, I was so impressed with how, you know, granted, if you look at statistics, you know, a lot of people look at it, you you know, from the numbers and Giannis's numbers were gigantic as they should be. Um, His efficiency, him and Drew Holidays was so far down. I think they were shooting in the 30 percentage. Um, That's eye-popping to me on guys who are highly efficient all year long and we're talking best player in the world and you throw a guy like Horford and Grant Williams and you package that into a team collective defense and the Celtics are so long like it's not just having Williams and Horford they might have this perceived undersize but two through five is six eight and then their point guard is six five they're monsters defensively who's the defensive player of the year so like they're just so hard to score on, and they're so collective in the way they defend you. It's it's tough. Let's talk about um, Kyle Lowry. He's the only other player that's probably questionable in this series. I think at this point we can rest assured that Marcus Smart is playing and everyone else who's banged up is going to try playing. Kyle yeah. Lowry is the other question mark. Uh, he was 0 for 7, 0 points, uh, 1 rebound, 3 assists, or 3 turnovers, and 5 fouls. He had a dreadful game Game five. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy towards the end of the game was making like backhanded remarks. Like he wasn't directly saying like they need to bench Lowry, but he was propping up Gabe Vincent and then also going with, we'll see if Spolstra makes any adjustments to his starting lineup next game. A clear indication of it would be Lowry that you need to replace in this group. Um, so listen, if Lowry suits up, he's going to start. But there's, I think there's a good chance that Lowry does not suit up. So let's talk about that. Uh, you know, Mike, do, how do we think Lowry impacts the game? Do you want me to talk about how I think Lowry impacts the game and you can respond or you want to take it? Well, I just wanted to put in one more thing about what you're saying that you might have left out in that, 
you know, against Philly, they were they won four games without Lowry. The only two games they lost, Lowry played. I think they had the luxury of benching Lowry without any real concern in those series because Tyler Hero and everyone else was, you know, not as hampered or injured. You know, because Hero is potentially going to miss this game, a guy who picks up 30 minutes and plays the point guard role when he's on the floor, you almost don't have a choice but to start Lowry and then go to Vincent or vice versa. I just think Lowry, you know, wouldn't be comfortable coming off the bench. And I think, you know, it might be more disruptive. And to not play him entirely, then you're so limited in your players available. Um, so I think if he's, I think he's going to have to go if Hero can't. If Hero does go, this is a whole nother discussion. And, and another caveat is, if Hero is able to play, you're going to see a lot of, you know, the line decrease rightfully. So people should be aware of that, whoever's listening. But, you know, just before you go, Mike, I'm just going to say that I think Lowry starts. I think he has to because we're both assuming Tyler Hero can't go. Okay. I do agree. I think Lowry starts. I keep saying I agree after every point you make, but that's because you're making good points. Um, <laughs> Lowry is a pace-up player. Lowry pushes this huge offense, even though he's historically a good defender and not the most efficient scorer. He's still a very much a pace up player. When Lowry's on the court, there's more scoring in the game. The Heat's offense moves faster. The ball moves faster. Their defense might be better, but the other team scores more because there's more shots going up. So with an over-under at 201, if you're waiting on the Kyle Lowry news, if you, if you like to play the under, you want Lowry out. If you like to play the over, you want Lowry in. So I don't really have much of a lean on the 201 line myself. I don't think I'm going to be playing the total in this game just because it's such a sharp line sitting at 201. That's just really tough to figure out. I feel like all the value has been bet out of it. We'll talk for sure. We'll give you the floor to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if Lowry plays, if Hero gets ruled in, if, you know, these guys are all playing. That's a, that's a bet the over situation. If these guys are out and Rob Williams is in, this is a bet the under situation for me. That's how I'm reading how these injuries affect the the game. No, sure. Um, I, I agree with the, all the points you're making, and it goes back to my initial point, Mike, in that the Heat, the way they beat you is swarming defense and scoring off fast break, like that's where they're very strong. You see Jimmy Butler get out on the break a lot. You and and like you were just saying, it kind of goes to the point of you know it's a more pace up play. But I think that's because Lowry's versatility defensively and ability to get in you and help Jimmy Butler create doubles early um, creates the way they want to play in a fast break scenario. They probably will have more turnovers. But you know, keep in mind the Celtics play at an equally slow pace and are very controlled offensively for the most part. Um, and I just think that I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have against this team. But you're right. It's a sharp number and that it does make a difference in that if, if Kyle Lowry's out, Jimmy Butler will presumably take the point guard role. I know they'll say Gabe Vincent will be, but he won't be. You and I both know that. We, we've recognized enough to see that that uh, Gabe Vincent will be coming you know, in as a presumably starting the point guard role, but it'll be Jimmy Butler with the ball 90% of the time, which means that they're going to be asking Jimmy Butler to go 44 minutes. They're not going to want, just like I know with centers, it's different with Philadelphia and that Embiid, they played slow because they needed to get up and down the court. And in order to keep him in the game, you have to play slower. I think the same thing will apply for Jimmy Butler and Bam 
with the responsibility they'll be tasked with if Butler, uh, if uh, Lowry's out. So it, it almost forces you to play slower too because Jimmy's going to have more of an expanded role and he'll tire out if if you don't play at a slower pace. With Lowry, you can go faster. It takes some of the like the burden off. But I, I ultimately agree with you. All right, so let's talk about how we're betting this game, assuming that the injuries stay exactly how they are, right? So we're assuming we've talked about the players that might be out. We talked about uh, the guys that might be late scratches. The late injuries have made a huge impact on the betting thus far. But let's proceed with Tyler Hero being the only player that we talked about being inactive because that's how the line is priced. Um, We're currently going into this game with an 8.5 point spread right now. Boston is favored. We're in Boston. And I'm currently seeing the splits, Eric. 53% of the total bets placed are on Miami. 67% of the money is on Miami. So for me, that tells you that the there's small amount of public sentiment on Miami getting these this big of points. Uh, there's definitely some big money bettors also backing uh, Miami at that big plus number. Uh, and that I kind of feel differently from what the books are saying, but the, the, the way that I read this says Miami is getting a few too many points. Um, how do you feel? That's how, that, let me explain, Eric. That's how yeah, I read, no, no, that's, what the sports, that's what the sports book is saying, right? That's what the, right. that's what the, they want, the, the, the people is, are reading is, the lines. It's a surprising number to me, Mike. Um, yeah, I do I know what you're saying. I, I have, a, I have like this uh, basic you know, model. I would, that, think, I would think six and a half realistically would be the opening line. I am surprised it came out at nine. That's a lot. Nine points against you know, the team who had the worst record. I know it's in Boston. I know that Boston, once they gain momentum, they they kind of open the door on teams. And I know that the Heat without Hero have lost comfortably in the last two games. My concern is that these games have been decided before halftime, really, except for maybe one or two games. What I believe is going to happen, and let's throw away, you know how I I, I look into it, Mike, we do a little bit differently. I tried to Mm -hmm. evaluate the game. I try to not bias myself by, by just evaluating what I think and what I've seen. Um, and I, I kind of get an idea of what I believe the final is going to be and how it's going to be played out without looking at any lines. Not just to, just to not unbias myself. Um, I mean, just not to bias myself. And to me, it, it comes down to whether or not the Heat can do anything offensively early in the game to stay around because Celtics at full strength. They have too much, I think, against this Heat team. And the Heat, if they can't create turnovers, if they can't do the things they like to do, um, I don't think they've shown that they can really stop Celtics' offense once they get going. And the Celtics have just have so many weapons that could kill you. Um, if, the, if the Celtics get up early, the Heat are in trouble because the Heat rely on guys like Hero to claw them back into games. And, you know, when they're up, you see Hero's minutes decrease because they go defensively, but... You know, the way they've been able to kind of contain Jimmy, I'm guessing that that injury is ailing him, but also because of Celtics swarming defense. I, 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 me and you spoke about it. The line might be a little skewed in that it's a little high, but I do think the Celtics covering kind of win this game convincingly. But, you know, the Heat's real only chance is to play at a very slow pace methodically and keep it close throughout. But I don't know if they can do that. Okay. Let me digest some of that. Um, I'm kind of on the same... I'm kind of on the same page as you, 
because I really do think that this line is a bit inflated. Like I was about to say that I have access to this like free model on Action Network. As long as yeah. you pay for the subscription, you can get access to their simulated model. I don't know the metrics behind it, but it general it generates an expected line versus the actual line. And the expected okay. line for this game was six was six point four. With the actual line opening at nine. So that shows you if the expected line is six point four, but the actual line is nine, there's clearly value on betting the plus nine side, right? Because you're getting, you know, two point six points. And what towards... I said, 6.5 is what I thought. So say that again? And what was I saying? I thought the line was going to be 6.5. So we're right on the same kind of wave. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, if you were a a Miami backer, I think this is definitely a jump on the heat now situation. Take the eight and a half points. Take the nine points if you could find it anywhere. Some places are still laying a, a, a nine line. Um, and Mike, the reason... Points uh, bet is, is nine and I think everywhere else is eight and a half. But... What I was saying, Eric, is is mm-hmm. if we look at the splits on the money, this is something I often like to do and I like to remind the listeners to, is one way to learn how to read line movement is we're seeing 67% of the money on Miami. So if you're a Boston Celtics backer like we are, there's absolutely no reason to bet it right now because, one, Smart. Tyler Hero might be ruled active and that line jumps to 5.5. Or Tyler Hero stays inactive and there's right. just still more money in the market on Miami that the line eventually moves to eight. So there's a much greater chance that this line moves to minus eight for the Celtics as, a, as opposed to going the other direction to minus nine. And there's also a big chance that if Tyler Hero plays, it jumps to like minus 5.5. So if you're a heat backer, jump in now. If you're a Celtics backer, wait. That is my biggest advice on this game. And, and that's just logical thinking, Mike, because like obviously – um, we think it's a skewed line. Vegas believes it's a, well, not Vegas. I'm sorry, other sports networks. And and my line, what I thought it would be, was pretty accurate to what you said at 6.4. I said 6.5. Um, nine is overwhelming, but it brings us back to our original point in that it, it has to integrate Tyler Hero probably not playing, and they have to right. know that they're putting out these lines early. They know things we don't, and that's inside news in terms of injuries too. Um, and what you were getting to briefly um, was saying that in an elimination game, there's more late fouling. So with a, a line at nine, you know, fouling normally ends at 30 seconds left at a seven point game. But in an elimination game, they keep true. fouling. So that shoots that uh, spread up a bit because if the Celtics are up seven with 25 seconds left, the Heat are going to foul. And they're going to foul once, twice, three times, as, as many times as they need to. They're not going to go out easy. Uh, they're going to try and fight to the last dying breath. So and that is very again. true. The seven point threshold where you generally stop within 30 yep. minutes, 30 seconds, that nine point becomes very much in play where it would get ballooned. Um, even if the heat miss shots is what you're getting at and they will foul because mm-hmm. why so, wouldn't Eric, you said that uh, you expected the line to be around 6.5, but you kind of liked it. The Celtics to cover. Would you actually bet the Celtics at minus eight if that's where the line fell at closing value? Would you actually bet the line at minus 8.5 or is that a no bet situation, small bet, big bet? How are you playing that? That's a great point, Mike. And I'm glad you said that because um, me and you always talk about this. If you're very confident in a team covering a line or even winning the game, me and you are a big proponent of this. If it's a feasible line, just take the game. But 
if it's a line like this, buy yourself some points, protect yourself. You know what I'm saying? If we believe that eight and a half they're gonna cover, which I'm very hesitant on this one. Generally, I'm of the of the logic that Vegas is usually pretty accurate in their lines. Um, in this one, I think it's 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 weird. Um, this one might be an entire stay away because if you are buying points and you're buying it down to five, as opposed to having a 6.5 line and buying it down to three, you're still giving yourself a lot of room for a potential loss and laying a big number. So this might be a complete stay away for me um, because of the scenario and that it's so high. I don't and even because the books are, you. yeah, the books want you to bet Miami. So even to buy points on Celtics, you know, you're, you're giving up good value. Like that's exactly what the books want you to do. So I think in this situation, there are certainly situations where me and you are like, buy the points, lay the juice, play the when money line. The this is a dangerous situation because of how overpriced the Celtics lines are. Right. And, and me and you always talk about it, Mike, when the line's like seven or 6.5, because you could buy it down to three. And I think Vegas might be acutely aware of that in that the margin for error from six to buy down to three or 2.5 versus nine to 6.5 and six, there's still so much room for you to not cover in that six point range versus three point winner. But you know what I'm saying? Can I tell you what I'm doing on this game? Yeah, I'd actually like to hear it. I still, before you go, if I had a gun to my head, I'm taking the line. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm taking the Celtics to win, but that's four. What is it? Minus four fifty, I imagine. If it's if it's minus nine, yeah, minus four or five. Damn, I'm actually good at this line judgment. Um, <laughs> years of experience, people. Um, but yeah, that's that's an unfeasible line. I, I would just, if you really don't want to fuck like mess around with with taking numbers or buying down, take the eight and a half, lay it. Celtics pretty comfortably dominate teams when they're when they need to. Um, yeah, that's that's where I would go. I'm reading this as if this gets down to minus eight, I'm betting on the Celtics. Anything else than that, I'm staying away. And really? I'm also betting it. I would bet a full unit in normal circumstances, but because of my current exposure on series prices and MVP stuff and the amount right. of money that I already have booked into the Celtics – winning the series i would only put a half unit because again if the celtics don't win this game if they don't win the series then it's like you know you're almost getting cascaded the other way they yeah. say in sports betting you know or, or just in general in life in the stock market however fast you make the money you can lose it twice as fast so sure. um i would be playing a half unit on the minus eight i would not be playing any other line uh beyond eight like eight and a half or nine and then in now, terms of the over under eric would you what? buy points? Would you buy points in this game? No, not in this situation. Definitely not. I would definitely not buy points. If 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 anything, if I was on the Celt, if I was on the Heat, I would sell points. Uh, just but because of in taking a minus eight line, you wouldn't. For for listeners out there, Mike and Mike, talk to listeners as if like you don't have any other series bets. What would you go in this individual game with nothing on it? Would you take anything? I would try and get the Celtics at minus eight. That's okay, that's really so. where, that's really where I stand. Um, or what's I would, you know, what's the hesitancy of buying a few points and potentially laying a little bit larger of a number? Okay, so I'm looking at the lines right now, and alternate spreads is something that I'm very, very good at. It's probably my best thing in gambling. I've created a whole system on how to play alternate spreads given the ratios in the numbers that you get uh, compared to the. Yeah, in, I, what I do, Eric, is I know how to compare the change in the odds in comparison to the likelihood of those outcomes happening. Like, I know how. 
uh, I've collected a lot of data, and I know how likely an outcome of a one-point game is. I know how likely an outcome of a two-point game is. Like, one-point games in the NBA are 4.1% likely to happen. And I use that information really wisely when I play alternate spreads. I'm not going to go give away all my secrets and all my numbers, but I will say in this scenario, yeah, I'll do, I'll do some quick math for you. If you were going to play the Boston Celtics minus 3.5 and you bought five points on it, right? Because yeah. the, the, you know, let's even go 4.5 because like, four I, more, I know what you're getting at. It's too big a margin of a line you're saying. Yeah. It, yeah but I'll still explain it for the rest of the people. The four sure. most, ex, the four most, uh, impo- uh, Common outcomes in NBA games are five, six, seven, and eight. Not exactly in that order. The view order is seven, five, six, eight. As really? The, yeah. Seven's the most likely, five's the second, six is third, and eight is fourth. Four and three are fifth and sixth. Okay. So if we brought this line down to minus 4.5, because that's where you'd want it, so you get the four most common outcomes, five, six, seven, and eight, on your side. It's a minus sure. 205. So what you're actually doing, I'm going to do this math in real time for you guys. So bear mm-hmm. with me. You are decreasing your payout by 46%. And you are increasing your likelihood of winning by 22.1%. So the odds are not in your favor to give up that much money for the increase in your chance to win by 22%. With that said, it comes down to how also comfortable you feel on the, the outcome of the game, right? Right. There, mean, there, there are plenty it, of ca- there are plenty of caveats. Right, and and each game should still be isolated to a degree. I get what you're saying. Historical data does play a role, and that that's trends. That's what generally happens in close game. That's how they're officiated. But mm-hmm. I think the only reason I ask, Mike, and I agree with everything you're saying, ultimately. Um, However, in a game like this where we, me and you both are smelling out kind of a potential beatdown in what the Celtics have done to teams in these scenarios and kind of all playoffs, really, um, and how good they are defensively, um, that's why I thought maybe you would skew toward doing it and, and kind of throw away the recipe. Um, just because me and you are on the position that this could be a 10-plus uh, win. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm so, I'm, honestly, Eric, I'm not scared to lay an eight. Especially in this series where every game seems to have been more than that. The Celtics played that game close in game three and then it ballooned to a 20-point game. None of these games recently have been close. The Celtics shoot a ton of threes. The Heat shoot a ton of threes. There's the shooting variance element in this series. So I'm not scared of laying the eight and uh, I would do it. If the line drops to eight, I will be laying a half a unit on it. And if the opening line was six and a half, you might buy it down, right? I mean, because then you're giving yourself minimal percentage of like you said the one to three range which doesn't occur often you kind of be protected in so it makes you wonder you know for people listening out there too a vegas you know really you know balloon this line in effect because it kind of buys you out of taking the celtics in any scenario you know what i'm saying exactly the books really really that's this is the this is what at the 45 minute mark of this podcast we've finally gotten to the most important point yeah the sports book wants you to bet Miami, right. so I'm not going to. I will bet the Celtics if it gets to a point in where I feel comfortable doing it, but there is really no circumstances where I find myself betting the Heat. 
And I was saying it in other words. I totally understand what you're saying now in that because the line is so high, they're almost systematically taking you out of taking the Celtics unless you're one of those people who are like, you know what, I'll lay a big number and risk, you know, a line that still could not hit. But that's what they're doing. Yep. Like they're, they're taking you out of taking the one to three range because if you buy seven points, you're laying, you might as well buy the game. You might as, and that's it's, why it's exactly, and that's why we're seeing seventy-one percent of money on the Heat. Eric, you mentioned earlier that you had a lean on the two hundred one over under. I'm not going to play the total in this series. Do you have an edge on the total? Is there an angle that you're playing on the over under two hundred one? If we've keep the same injuries well, consistent, that Tyler Hero is the only one out. Well, the only reason, I, and Mike, you, I remember we were talking earlier, and you told me the line opened at two hundred two, and it's gone down a point. Um, I told you from the get, I thought this number should be in the hundreds, as barbaric as that sounds. And I know there have been a few games, like one game was, you know, 127, 102, and another game was, um, you know, 118, 107. But those were, were outlier games in that Jimmy had 41 points one of those games. Another game, you saw Pritchard had 18 points in. Yeah, the Celtics were, shot 60% from 3-1 Yeah, game. there were blowout games, and Mike, me and you know that um, – in these closeout type games, teams tighten up. There's a lot more missed shots. There's a lot more, you know, um, stay alive type defense. You know what I'm saying? And given that mm-hmm. these teams are already first and fourth in defensive efficiency and 26th and 29th in pace, I, I just, I, I think that the pace of play will be slow. That's not like one or team or the other will dictate pace. The Heat like to play off turnovers. That's where they play fast. Celtics aren't a team that are going to turn the ball over a lot, nor are the Heat. Um, I just think, especially if Hero doesn't play and Jimmy Butler expected to take on such a big role, the Heat's only chance to keep Jimmy on the floor for 40-plus minutes is to play at a slower pace, play methodically. And I think without the efficient scoring of Hero, um, the Heat have to play slow and have to minimize the possession per game. And I think Spolster knows that. It leans toward the under significantly. I think Hero's a gigantic... um, uh, player in this in, in in this number in that the style of play will be slowed down significantly and we already know both teams like to play slow and methodically so I just you know I know it's a low number I know elimination games I know all that and while I do think the Celtics will presumably be up towards the end forcing the Heat to foul and foul I just think it's a number that maybe protect yourself by it up to 205 I just think closeout games like this play slower I think these teams play slow I think this is going to be an old school smash mouth game I think they're going to have to hit shots to score both teams. I think it gets harder to hit shots in elimination games. And I just I, I don't see a lot of easy buckets in this one. Follow-up question for you. We talk about sometimes when we have a low over-under total that if you like the under, one thing that you can do is play the team that's the favorite and play their team total under because you're getting more than half of that line like we're getting you have a 201 line for the game but if you were going to play only one side of this like the celtics team total under or the heat team total under my question for you eric is would you rather take the game under 201 or would you rather take the celtics under 104 and a half because you're getting more than half of the that's a very interesting question that's a very interesting question, and I almost see reverse logic in that, and that I might take the Heat's overall under, because if the Heat are fouling late, I think the Celtics could scramp up a lot of, like, you know, easy free throw points, whereas the Heat would still have to hit shots 
to you know to stay competitive. Um, I would potentially be interested in the Heat's under, but it's it's an interesting that, logic. But um, that line is ninety six and a half. I'd be more interested in that than taking the Celtics under for reasons that I told you. If we think the Celtics are going to cover, and we think you know eight and a half is a, is a scary number, and we do think they foul in that seven to ten point range, I think it's more likely that the Celtics balloon their score and beat you by sixteen to twenty. Therefore, probably covering the over and the Heat stay in that 90 to 95 point range, which it's low, I know. But I'm just having trouble seeing where the Heat are going to score from. Um, the, heat, the Heat truly have had trouble breaking 100 without Tyler Hero. So the under 96 and, you know and a half from your fouling, the opposing team is going to get easy free throws. You're right. not then going to get easy looks offensively. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At which point you yeah. stop fouling. But at that point, the Celtics might already have 109 points. Mm-hmm. So presumably yeah. 109 to 91, you know what I'm saying? Could so your it, angles, your angles on this game would be either to play the straight 201 or play the under the 201 or under the 96.5 for the Heat. Yeah, and I know it's a small number, and I know people listening, you know, are are, are thinking that this is our absolutes. You know, me and you have been pretty like firm on our takes. These are hard takes, people. So, um, you know, I say this with a grain of salt, but yeah, I, I would lean toward that. If I had to. Um, Let's wrap this discussion up with the player props angle. There was one question that I was asked on Twitter, so I want to make sure that I get to that. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at AdvantagePod underscore SE. The SE stands for Sports Ethos because this is a Sports Ethos podcast. So I did have one person reach out to me, Eric, Mm -hmm. and they sent in a question. The question says, I went under on Jimmy Butler's points, rebounds, and assists in Game 5. Would you again with Jimmy in Game 6? Would you take the Celtics' money line and spread if it was at minus 7 Celtics? The Heat are toast. I believe it will get ugly for them. I, I completely agree with that, that person in the last segment. Um, but in terms of their first question, um, I would in any scenario... I think whether Hero plays, I think whether Lowry plays, I think if Hero's out, you take Jimmy Butler's over and you don't hesitate. I think, you know, ultimately, there's a lot of recency bias. We talk about this, Mike. But prior to the last two games, Jimmy must have covered the over nearly every game by a mile in points, rebounds, and assists. The guy is asked to do a lot. He scores a lot of his his buckets in the paint, which means, you know, he gets a lot of offensive rebounds on misses. He gets putbacks. He gets easier looks than most. Now, granted, he's going to, you know, take the burden of the defensive, you know, uh, doubling. But, you know, he will have the ball in his hands for most of this game. I think regardless, I think Kyle Lowry, like you said, Mike, is an important factor too. But I think with or without Lowry on the floor, Lowry's just been so inefficient offensively. And Bam has really just been a dud that... Jimmy's just going to be asked to do so much, so I think people shy away from just recency bias. But if you want to play like the odds and you want to play volume, which me and you are a big proponent of, he's going to see 28 to 30 shots. I truly believe that. He has eclipsed that number before. This is an elimination game. He's their best player. He's been arguably the best player in the playoffs. I think you don't be deterred from two bad games, unless he's unless there's something going on with this injury that we otherwise don't know about. But... I think you could count on him to, if he's efficient, he should cover that number. I agree. I would be hesitant to fade Jimmy in a closeout game, um, especially the, the number's pretty low right now. It's 33 right. and a half. Given, the, given, where the, given where the total of the line, like, you know, the game totals are, the 201 and the 96 and a half for the Heat, 
it's pretty tough to play an over on Jimmy Butler, but it's a situation where I don't find myself wanting to play the under again. I understand no. it hit uh, it hit in the last game. Jimmy Butler is a, a, the kind of guy that steps up when his back's against the wall. So in an elimination game on the road in a roaring TD Garden is a place where I'm actually scared to fade Jimmy. Um, that's not that's not me saying I want to bet on Jimmy. It's just more me saying this is a situation where I think I stay away. And and Mike, another key point that you know we make is that two games ago the whole Heat starting lineup had a total of eighteen points, which is absurd. But it was seventy to forty three at halftime. In games that aren't elimination games, you eat it and you walk away. And the players, you know, you rest them in light of the fact that there's another game. If and now, if people are concerned about blowout, which they should be a little bit concerned, they shouldn't be so deterred as to think that 20 to 25 points is going to keep Jimmy Butler out of playing time outside of the last six minutes of a game. He will play the entire third. He, you know what I'm saying? You yeah, know, they're not taking Jimmy out on this one. Elimination game should balloon over points, rebounds, assists. And he is a guy who boards. He gets assists. He's going to be asked to do everything in terms of usage. You know, Lowry, we, we both expect to play, but he's been basically a dud. And if you play Lowry but take out Hero, so much of the usage has to go somewhere. It's going to be Jimmy. Um, yep. So I, I think it's very difficult he doesn't cover this. If he plays the full amount of minutes, which I think barring a 40-point loss like the Phoenix-Dallas Game 7, which is just so rare, um, he's going to play north of 35 to 40 minutes. Even he might play He might play 45 minutes in a close game. At which point, I don't see even inefficiently how he doesn't cover that. But that's just me. I think there's other guys to target in this game, though. Who are they? I think you have to pay attention to Oladipo's line. I'd have to know it first. But I'll look it up. Yeah, I think he's a guy they're going to be relying on for offense. And keep in mind, people that are listening, that you should see Oladipo's minutes increase, too, because of what he can provide versatility defensively. So... While, yeah, I'm talking defense, it gives you more minutes on the floor. So he's a guy who could create with the ball in his hands outside of Hero and, um, you know, Lowry and obviously Jimmy, who will be playing. Not a lot of players can. Like, Struess minimally creates off the off the dribble, which, you know, he's a pretty efficient shooter for the most part. He was horrible last game, but um, he's not a guy who's going to be creating off the dribble. Duncan Robinson's a spot-up three-point shooter. He's just there to space the floor. Gabe Vincent, you know, can create a little bit, but, you know, don't be, don't be, you know, misconceived into thinking that he's going to have so much usage. A guy like Victor Oladipo, usage does go up when those guys are out. And his, his, his line, um, for game five, it's not posted yet for game six. I guess it. Are you get? Yeah, sure. What points, point points I have, let me, hold on. I have his points total and I have his, I think it's his rebounds total. Oh, it doesn't have all three. I think it makes a lot. I think I think he's a guy who collects all categories. So I would I would be more looking to target him in in points, rebounds, assists. But um, yeah, so I have points. I have points and rebounds that I could see. You want to guess what his points was for a game? His projected points prop for game five. With oh for game five, okay, because that's the first game Hero was out, right? It was the second game Hero was out. Oh right, 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 right. The second game Hero was out. His points prop, I would say, is. 12 and a half. Nailed it. Exactly 12 and a half. All right. Give me, give me his I'm rebounds. Smart. I'm very, I, well, I wouldn't say I'm smart. I'm just knowledgeable. This kid's got a, this kid's got a crown next to his draft kicks name. The, <laughs> king, 
the king true. of the daily props. No, it is uh, true. And 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 we joke, Mike, but it does take effect in terms of muscle memory, in terms of just like just knowing, you know, what's going to happen given player outages and stuff. Um, what was the other one? His rebounds. How many rebounds was he projected? Four and a half. Oh, it's only two and a half. Only two and a half. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I shot that one up a little bit. Um, that might be because I looked at his his numbers throughout. Nailed the nailed the twelve and a half though. Okay, how would you bet? Let's say we got the same Oladipo lines for Game Six. Are those angles that you're betting? Are you trying to go over and points rebound assist? Again, the points twelve and a half would seem like a stretch to me. Um, while I think he could cover it, and and I do, and here's a little thing that is an intangible that people don't really recognize is that. Jimmy looks for Oladipo a lot. It's a guy he trusts. So if we think Jimmy's going to have the ball in his hands, it could be going back and forth with him and Oladipo. Um, yeah. I think I would look more for his points, rebounds, assists, which might be posted at, let's say, presumably 21 and a half. I think that's going to be around where it is, 21 to 23 and a half. I'd be somewhat interested in that. I don't know if I'd be interested in straight points. But I think he does rebound. I think he does collect some assists because he facilitates. He goes to the hole. You know, there are spot-up shooters like Struess and Duncan on the floor while he's on the floor. If so, only it included his, like, steals and blocks, too. Like, if it was yeah. an all-encompassing, like... No, but but that's important you say that, Mike, though, because that's what keeps his minutes up. So, yep. increased Especially minutes... Especially in this series without Hero now and the replacement I, options being Duncan Robinson or Oladipo. I've said this in the past. This is what people need to realize. They all together, too, Mike. Coaches, coaches will... Generally, if they have to make a change, lean to the defensive change. Correct. But when your offense is so stagnant in the position you're in, guys like P.J. Tucker might see a reduced workload. Um, granted, there's a lot of variables coming into this one and that the Heat are going to want to play this game slow, play this game gritty, keep it close. But if it turns out that you're down points early, like if Celtics go up early and are up 10 points and the Heat are trying to fight an uphill battle, they're going to have to put in scoring. Like, they're going to have to play Oladipo over guys like Tucker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I like Tucker. Yep. When, but it, it, that all depends on gameplay. But I do think the Celtics get out into an early lead, therefore forcing the Heat's hand offensively. That's why I'm kind of leaning on the position of Oladipo's line. And Max Struess, I think you're just going to see 30-plus minutes. I think they rely on him, and they trust him enough even in bad games. All right, well, so to wrap up how we're betting game six, me and you both like the Celtics if we get a line at minus eight. We mm-hmm. both lean towards the under. Um, we both lean towards the under on the Heat side too, uh, and we're both saying probably don't bet uh, the Heat at the at their plus money because that's what the book wants you to do. And if you're looking in terms of player props, avoid fading Jimmy Butler and try and back Victor Oladipo. Maybe Duncan Robinson threes too. I, I do see him playing more of a role in this game if Hero's out. Where are yeah, they going to score otherwise? possible. Eric, you want to spend like five minutes talking about some random other NBA topics? And I kind of want to spend again? a few minutes, Mike, on what do you think about the Celtics' potential player props? Oh, fair. Okay. We're, not, we're not really putting um, that out there, but we've seen more consistency in that regard. Um, I think Tatum's a guy, right? That People should definitely try to not be as scared of the high number. The guy just fills it up. Let me see what they are. Let's go see. The player points... He's also Tatum's is twenty. Yeah, Tatum's is twenty-seven and a half. Jalen Brown's is twenty-four and a half. Um, Tatum's interesting. Player though. combos for for Tatum for points, rebounds, assists. Tatum's is thirty-nine and a half. Oof. I think that's a steal. 
Tatum, I know it's big number, Mike, but Tatum off of bad games has been unbelievable. And even in bad games, dude, like last game I saw he had like he had like four of fourteen or four of fifteen at one point, and he still had like eighteen points, ten rebounds, or twelve rebounds, nine assists. Like he fills it up, dude. And nobody was out. Yo, the guy's allowed to shoot. How do you feel about my one concern would be that Tatum's constantly grabbing his shoulder last game and he shot really poorly. So if that shoulder's still bothering him and it's affecting his shot or his aggressiveness at all in terms of like willing to take contact and get to the line, like I ultimately don't think it does, but it, nah. it's kind of scary to back someone who's holding their shooting shoulder the whole time. I think he's my favorite um, prop line of the entire game. I think that's go. a low and number. Listen, I, I think it's a low number. I will, say this, I will say this to our audience. I am not the one to trust on the player props because there are no, there are no sports book metrics to seeing this stuff. I can't see the splits about who's betting where and where these lines are moving. The, sure. the, the information I haven't seen, you know, did Tatum's line open at 42.5 and was bet down to 39.5 because 70% of the money's on the under. Those are the things that I really care about. You are the one who's like, I've played basketball at a very high level and I can no, understand no, no, wait, the game. I I look at I look at statistics. I look at player usage. I look at like I I've created something through Excel that just auto populates and updates based on whoever's out, however many minutes they're expected to play, how many shots they're mm. expected to take. And Tatum has right. no he has a complete green light. He also rebounds and assists at a high rate. I just think, you know, given his um, ability to not be as efficient and still reach that number, it's not that high a number for him. He'll shoot the ball 20 to 25 times if he has to. Um Given that we're is, we're we're a perfect combo because uh, yeah. you rely on the basketball statistics while I rely on the sportsbook statistics. Yeah, and and you're so right. It, but it, but it keep makes, in mind too, for, for listeners, I'm sorry. The last thing I'll say: um, player props don't move, people. So you're going to find out players are out, and you could still take the same line. Take advantage of that. Do I think I thought they do move? No, I thought that they're. I, I I know a lot of sites that they just keep them. They're not fluid, like they're fixed. Oh, okay, I've seen them. I've seen them move on on like Fanduel when the thing. What I what I definitely agree with you is that like uh, daily fantasy costs are fixated. So like once the those are, daily those fantasy are price, yeah, those are fixed, and those are places where you could find real value, and that's where I think you've made quite the killing historically. In the yeah. Daily yeah, I'm a badge guy. Okay. Um, other NBA topics that I wanted to ask you. Sure. You, have you been liking this, uh, the, the way the schedule is broken for playing every other night? Or would you want a few nights off, uh, some more rest like for it. the players? You like it? Yeah, I just think viewers ultimately want to see games and, you know... You give a few nights off, but these guys are professionals. They're young. I, I think they're fine. Um, wh why you don't like it? I don't – I've just been feeling like – definitely we've been noticing in the gameplay the games haven't been as close because these guys are exhausted. You know, like it's it's a pure fact. Close games are tighter. There have been a tremendous amount of blowouts. Tremendous amount of blowouts. I saw a statistic uh, that like in the last 17 playoff games, there was only seven minutes of clutch time basketball in all 17. Which is crazy, huh? That's freaking nuts. Um, and we also yeah. have this thing where we're going every other night. And they used to take three days when they traveled and two days when they stayed in the same city. So between games two and three, you get three days. And between games, uh, you know, six and seven, you get three games. 
So interesting you say that, Mike. Who do you think's advantaged by it? The home or away team? In this situation, I think it's clearly the Celtics are advantaged because their main guys are Tatum and Brown, who are you know twenty four and twenty five years old, as opposed to Butler and Lowry, who are both north of thirty. One is probably in his thirties. No, I think they both are. They both are. Lowry's got to be well into his thirties. Yeah, Jimmy's thirty two. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy and seems Lowry's thirty six. Yeah, and, and so I now think in this situation, it definitely favors the Celtics. Um, but I also just think, like, I'm I'm not even talking about this from a betting angle or a basketball angle. I just like, I feel like I could use a night off. Like, I feel like we've been watching every night and talking about these games all day long. It's like I wouldn't mind a night off. I wouldn't mind being able to like go out for dinner and not have to worry about the <laughs> game or like go work out at the gym one night and just like not even have to worry about even like oh is the game going to be on the TV there or like you know do I need to get my bets in? I'd, I'd like a night off. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for the finals when we get a few days off. So listen, you know, send in your letter. Tell tell uh, Silver, listen, like I, I can't work out. Um, oh, Silver listens to the pod. He listens to the pod uh, yeah, once forward and once backwards. So he, he actually listens to the pod twice. <laughs> because of your Titan schedule, I got no time to go to the gym now. You know, it's I know it's only three hours once a day, but we're it's too much. I'm going to reach out to for you. <laughs> Strongly worded email to add it to Commissioner Silver. Listen, um, Silver, it's cool to eat. How about a night <laughs> off? <laughs> How about a night? Me and Jimmy could both use it. Yeah. Funny. Is there it's any funny other? You, um, it's just funny how you're saying like you're spent, you're tired, not the players. You know, we're, exactly. We're, yeah, I love it. No, I think it. I think it clearly makes its way into the product, though. I think it's definitely related to the. No, I think uh, it's such a good bit, though. I get what you're saying. All right, here's my next question for you. Do you believe in basketball gods being a real thing, or no? <laughs> um, no. Follow-up question. What's that like? Elaborate, like propaganda. Yeah, like the, like like uh, you had Steve Nash earlier this year before the playoffs saying like I don't know if the basketball gods will allow us to win the championship this year just because of like how incoherent the season has been and like you know they yeah just like you know no, the overlords of basketball wouldn't let it happen and like you know you look back over time and you're like you know some things were just so ridiculous that like that team's not allowed to win. And I look at this postseason and I'm like, it's hilarious. Are the basketball gods, if the basketball gods are a real thing, and I, I think they are, I'm a pretty spiritual person. Um, so what are we doing here then? Doesn't matter. No, no, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell yeah. you. I don't think the Warriors can win the finals because of the, the presence of the basketball gods. We're, th- we're, we're really saying that a team that lost. Wait, wait, there. We're, we're really saying that a team that lost to the Ja Morant less Grizzlies. In a closeout game by 50 points, they they came out and they made a mockery of the game in the way that they played that game. They, <laughs> yeah, the, the Warriors play so carelessly sometimes that they're not allowed to win. It is, and then you look at the you look at the flip side, right? And you're like, okay, the Celtics are probably going to the finals. The Celtics got through the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat. Like they went through a gauntlet to get to the finals. But they it, took but every it, game very seriously, and they, they've brought their A game always. If the basketball also, gods are smiling down on this series, Celtics are winning the finals. It introduces the idea of pedigree, though, and championship pedigree. You know, like Golden State, you almost have to believe that 
the regular season just doesn't mean much to them. And people overlook them because of how much they've accomplished and because they're presumably on the back end of it because they didn't win 72 games. But let's not forget that they were so dominant in their other runs that you have this heightened expectation of what they should do. They're still the two or three seed. Like, there's there's still extremely – and did that very injured throughout the season. And they have three guys who have won the title, what, four times? Um, it matters. And, and granted, you know, I guess – but you could also say the basketball gods are on their side because they stricken down Phoenix. You know, they kind of laid their wrath and gave them <laughs> a much easier path. But I, I, I agree with you in one aspect that I would be surprised if they were to get through the Celtics or the Heat. But um, – you think you, you, you would take the Celtics over the Warriors well, in the finals? I will be taking the Celtics over Yeah, the me too. Me too. Unless okay. Luka goes um, crazy. Imagine that, huh? Talk about basketball gods. What if they win four for the first time ever? No, nah, I got, got the Warriors winning by 15 so plus next game. You think the Warriors? That's tonight at home. We're recording this before uh, game five, Warriors. You think Warriors no. close it out tonight? Yeah, don't you? I do. Ultimately, yes, it's so hard to do, you know, it's 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 so hard to bet against the Warriors at home in a playoff closeout game. But I think it's on one player, Eric, but Cleaver, Cleaver, I'm on the Mavs plus seven tonight. Really? Really? Yep. Yep. We got that plus seven. We know seven's the most important number. There's a lot of sharp action on oh, the. No, Mike, this is a tough one. I'm not. Gonna all the gambling it. splits tonight tell you to bet. I mean, we don't need to overly talk about it because this won't be released before then. But sure. all the gambling splits tell you to uh, bet the Mavericks tonight, like in terms of where the money is, it. where the sharps Please. are, where the public is, where the line movement has gone, and it's. Eric, so crazy of me. I've even done something absolutely asinine. I have a very, very, very small bet on an alternate spread. We talked about alternate spreads before. This is the last thing I'll say before I log off. You know how much money I made on the Dallas against Phoenix? I was slamming Dallas. I just can't see it in this series. I'm on Dallas minus four and a half. I've moved (laughs) the line. I've moved the line 11 and a half points today. And I'm taking Dallas minus four and a half. So Dallas needs to win by five. I think if Dallas wins this game, they will win by more than five. Um, I probably would have taken it at two and a half to be safe because you're probably getting a tremendous line at that number anyways. So it's it's plus 370. (laughs) Yeah. See, the the logic in that is a little skewed to me, Mike, because you could get it at plus 250 and be much safer and just collect. But in any event, I think it's stupid. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I think I think deep down you know Warriors are going to take care of business. Um, I think you you don't like them obviously, and you're with the gods. Um, but this is true. I also just I just besides Clay Thompson, I'm just not a fan of these this this group of Warriors. Like I'm not a Steph Curry fan at all. No, me neither. But objectively speaking, like I don't know if Dallas can hang with everything they've had. And my boy Wiggins has been playing well. You've been you know besmirching his name. <laughs> um, played well. Best best NBA kid is it? Is it still Riley Curry or has a uh, Deuce Tatum overtaken that throne? Deuce, 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 Deuce is the man. <laughs> play next game if there if there's too many outages. Might have like a like Mike scenario, but that's That'd just what amazing. I hear. Not like when you put put him on the shoes, let him get struck by lightning. He's what all good. Deuce Tatum? Are you kidding? Hey, come Deuce. on. Deuce. You the think best. he's naming his next kid Trace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Trace Tatum. No, you might just name him. Trace Tatum is actually a sick name. Like, if you were going to do T-R-A-C-E, like Trace, yeah, Trace cool. Tatum, that's but actually I, really cool. I think you just go Deuce Tatum again and, like, just have <laughs> Double two. Deuce. Yeah, double double Deuce Tatum. <laughs> I think we're veering, we're veering off here. <laughs> All right, let's end the pod. Let's end the pod there. Um, thank you for joining me again today, Eric. Mm-hmm. Let's go Celtics. Uh, I hope they cover that eight-point spread and we can make some people some money. We will be back uh, before the finals, throughout the finals, and certainly after the finals. I am already preparing some really, really fun NBA discussions for post-NBA season. It will not end when the Larry O'Brien trophy is handed out. We will still be talking basketball. We will still be talking about how to bet for next season. We'll be looking into projected win totals. We'll be talking about what teams want to do in their offseason. We'll be talking about the NBA draft, all those things. Future betting. Yeah, futures is going to be a big thing. Eric, You last thing also is we gave out the Jabari Smith bet for the first pick. Since we've last spoken, the NBA draft lottery did take place. Orlando Magic got the first pick. And the odds dropped on Jabari to minus 200. So me and you gave out that bet when it was even odds or minus 105, basically even odds. And it's already dropped to minus 200. So just a little golf clap for us that we put in a huge bet that's looking very, very good. Yes, sir. All right. Talk soon. Thank you, my guy. All right, Mike.